from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, it's The Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Dr. John Deloney, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author and host of the very popular Ramsey Network's produced Dr. John Deloney Show, where we deal with all kinds of relationship and mental health issues. He's my co-host today as we're taking your questions. Phone number is 888-825-5225. This is where common sense meets reality and life, and it does it every day here. Thanks for joining us. The call's free, and some say the advice is worth exactly what you pay for it. Elizabeth is with us in Dallas. Hi, Elizabeth. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hello, how are you? Great. What's up? Hi. So I have a question. I've been with my partner and boyfriend for seven years, and we have two small children together. And I recently brought up the fact that we should get married and actually have one bank account and do everything together. And he says that he doesn't want to do that. That Why? marriage is not. Why? He doesn't want to do marriage. Why? And he says because he's already previously been married, and he's just not. he's just not going to do it. Why does he think he's not married now? I'm not sure. He's got all, he's got everything having to do with marriage right now. So now my next question is, he gets sick. He gets sick. He wants you to make him chicken soup, right? Yeah. Yeah. What's the difference in this and marriage? I'm confused. Well, he says that he says that he's not interested that either accept him or what should we do? So Elizabeth, I, I want you to hear what he's actually telling you. He's telling you he went all in on somebody once and got hurt or broke up with or whatever. And he's looking at you after seven years and two children and saying, you're not worth that. I'd rather um, have my illusion of singleness in my back pocket at all times so that I can preserve my little fragile ego. Meanwhile, play house. And play house with you. And you be my wife, and I'll keep all the equity and everything, and I'll keep all my money, and I'll basically pay you like a live-in nanny, um, but this is all mine. That's what he's telling you. I hate that for you. I'm sorry. I hate that for you. How old are your babies? Um, One is four, and the other is one. (sighs) Little boy, little girl, what? Um, it's a one-year-old boy and a four-year-old girl. So at this point, I'm at the point that I don't know what to do. I don't know if I 20 years from now, your daughter is 24 and she asks you this question. What do you tell her? I don't know. Mm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be the person that tells you, you got to stay or leave. Cause I don't want, I don't want you to hang on to this guy said this. That's something, that's a decision you're going to have to own. What I will tell you is I think you are worth going all in on. And I think you're worth having a home that two people want to do life together and create a safe space to raise these two beautiful little babies. You're worth that. But you're going to have to make the grown-up decision on whether you stay and you try to build a life inside of a cocoon um, or you make other decisions. In two weeks, I'll be. In two weeks, I'll be. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, babe. What? I'm sorry. 
Um, I'm mostly more afraid of like if I walk away, how would I manage with money? I haven't worked in a while. So that's, I'm going to be truthful. That's exactly what's stopping me now from walking away. And that's a very real fear. I mean, that's a very real fear. The, the data suggests that when men and women split up, especially in this situation, his net worth will actually go up and yours will go down for a season. Until you get so pissed off that you become a multimillionaire later. But yeah. That's right. Um, but yeah, the, uh, uh, so in other words, you can't do this today. It's theory because you got babies you have to feed, but you can say, all right, I'm going to plan my escape and I'm going to get my career tooled up and I'm going to go get a job and I'm going to start making some serious money. And then I get to make decisions from strength rather than from weakness. Mm-hmm. Get to walk to something, not run from something. And then you can walk in and go, uh, not sure, dude, that I want to marry you. So there's that. And that's what we call an Elizabeth Byrne, right? When you flip the whole thing around. <laughs> Mic drop. Yeah. But that comes from strength and you're, 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 um, when you're scared and broke, it keeps you from making decisions. So let's move from scared and broke and then remake the decision. You might make the decision under strength to stay, but you would need to make it from strength rather than from weakness. Is that logical? Yes. So if it takes you a year to start making $40,000 a year, then take that year and go do it. That's fine. I got no plan. I got no problem. And you're he, in Dallas, he, Texas. He ain't going nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And they, you're in Dallas, man. There will be people that will hire you. In about 20 seconds. I don't want my kids in daycare. Then marry their mother. Hey, Elizabeth, it's not uncommon in this situation, especially after this long, that this isn't the only thing that this person won't, quote unquote, do. This person's been telling you that your things you think are funny or stupid and the feelings or concerns you have about any number of things are dumb. You can't fill in the blank. And after seven years, after almost a decade of this, you've come to believe that stuff to be true, right? I have my doubts. Yeah. I don't. I don't either. Because the girl that called here has got more stuff inside of her than she sounds like she does or thinks she does. Now go get it. Get okay, you some. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, really. I mean. Don't forget two old guys believe in you. Yeah, and and, uh, and you got a four-year-old daughter watching to see how mama is a warrior princess. Look out. Here comes Xena. <laughs> You remember that one? Uh, yeah, but don't make that little weird noise call thing. <laughs> Keep that one to yourself, Elizabeth. Don't do that. Just let that only be in your head. Yeah, That's don't, right. don't do that. Yeah, but yeah Dave, it, you bring that up. It, it, it's a, there's a concern, obviously, which is financial, which is real. That's math. There is no debate about that. And what about my babies? And what you bring up is really important. There is a ringside seat to, oh, this is what a mom and a wife are supposed to just accept as reality? Or... I had a ringside seat to watching my mom go from a, a, a live-in boyfriend that told her, dude, I'm not wasting any more energy on you, all the way to a successful business owner. Warrior prince. Running shop. And they got to watch that happen in real time. Yeah. Some of the most uh, powerful people I've met, a single mom raised them. 
Oh man! And uh, she was a go getter, and she wouldn't be denied. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they, the kids take that work ethic, and then they go become a surgeon or something, and there's no yeah, stopping them. Exactly. It's a, it sets up the next generation. You're setting up the next generation. So spend the next year deciding that and getting ready. I'm sorry you're facing this kiddo. This is the Ramsey Show. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey, it's Dr. John Deloney, and one of the most common questions I get is how to get something off your chest. A deep secret you've never told anyone, or maybe something that happened to you, something you've done that you're worried about because bringing it to light will disrupt your life, anything. I say this all the time, secrets will kill you, but it's hard to know where to start when it comes to talking about scary, dark things. Therapy can be a safe, effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say hard things out loud, and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I've personally been blessed to have a great therapist who helps me get those heavy things off my chest. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's flexible because it's online, so you can suit it to fit your schedule. Just fill out a short questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. It's time to get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. Rachel Cruz, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Chris is in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Um, I'll get, get right to it. Um me and my wife recently started a side business. We both work full time uh, and kind of looking to pay off a ton of consumer debt and realize you can only save so much. So we, we started the side business dog sitting uh, with the intentions of paying off the consumer debt and uh, spoke with my accountant last year. Um, and he suggested putting my two children kind of on payroll, right? And, and paying them to benefit um you know, investing into their Roth IRA and maxing out for them because he suggested that, um, you know, they don't pay taxes on that. Um, so that now kind of threw me for a loop. And I think that's what we're going to plan on doing for this year. And, and my question is, we are pretty late to the game with investing for ourselves, right? And it kind of, I wonder if it's foolish to do that for them. I, I just recently learned the power of comp- compounding interest. So that's the reason why I'm doing this. You know, at, at, there are three and five, um, it just seems like a unique opportunity because we don't plan on doing this forever, yeah. um, really just to pay off the consumer debt. And we're not really struggling. We have a plan, you know, to pay off the consumer debt. And if it takes a little bit longer because we're paying our, our children and investing in a Roth IRA, it seems okay. okay. Uh, Chris, I'm, I'm an IRS auditor and I'm sitting in front of you and you paid your three-year-old to do work. I'm not believing that the three-year-old did any work, and I'm going to undo everything you did in the audit. You're going to lose. Your accountant is a moron. <laughs> you have to be able. You have the, to be able to be working. If the child is actually working, you can pay them the market value for their work, but you can't make a case that a three-year-old is actually working be struggling to say a five-year-old it it happens to be walking dogs so we can do this now an exception would be like i did have a client one time who had a baby who appeared in multiple diaper commercials 
and made serious bank. The baby was actually working. And so, yeah, we put that into an IRA for sure because of the power of compound interest. But what you you have to be able to make the case that they were paid, you know, like Rachel, for instance, at 14 years old, would go and do a three-minute talk on the stage of why it's tough to be Dave Ramsey's daughter. It was daughter. like eight minutes. What? It was like eight minutes. Eight minutes? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. We would work the events, though. <laughs> anyway, After yeah, that, it we was would not go. eight hours. It was a few minutes, okay? And, and then she would go work the book tables, and I would pay her a percentage of what the kids' books sold at the book tables back then. And she's a teenager. And, and it, was a, it was a healthy percentage, but I didn't pay her $100,000 a year. You couldn't yeah. justify that to an auditor. You follow me? So, I mean, I yeah, think, she, the, you know, so, so the, 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 you, you can't do that. The dog sitting, I mean, it, it really is. It's not, you know, feed the dogs, watch the dogs, play with Honey, the dogs. Honey, three-year-olds are not allowed to yeah. work. Okay. I mean, really. Think, just use some common sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What 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 would you actually, if you ran a business, would you actually hire the neighborhood three year old to go over? <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Yeah. Good I point. might hire the neighborhood eight year old to help me, and there's a market value to that doing dog sitting. Okay, and you can actually make a, a common sense case yeah, for that. Yeah. But the three year old still barely potty trained. Oh my god! And now we're trying to potty train dogs. No, no, no. No, 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 no. This doesn't work. So, you know, the, the, so your accountant is willing to set you up for losing an audit, which is why I'm saying I don't think you need this accountant. And anymore. Chris, and here's the deal, too. Even if you wait until they're 8, 10, 12, 14 years old to start this process, they're going to be fine. Like, they're going to be fine. You don't have to start at three, you know? So you can do this in a morally legal way eventually. No, that's that's yeah, great. Yeah. What? He's saying that he's going to not de- do the dog sitting thing after he gets out of debt. So it's, it's not the opportunity is not going to be there. No, anymore. I'm just saying in general, though, in like general. In, yeah. general, in general, they can go and like y'all yeah. could start something or, you know, whatever life looks like when they're act- when they actually are able to contribute. And it's not like you're kind of, you know, and you don't need to be behind on your investing. When I did this yeah. for our three kids, you have to file a tax return on the kid. And there is some taxes due. Okay, There's no income tax due, but they're going to get hit with FICA and uh, self-employed income. And so each one of them, I filed a tax return. I looked at their actual income. I had to make sure it was market value or slightly above market value for the duty that they were performing. And I filed a tax return. I paid the taxes. They kept the money that they earned. And I put the equivalent amount into a Roth IRA on their behalf. All of them were teenagers by the time we were doing that. Yeah. And, um, uh, or thereabouts i mean daniel might have been 12 i mean or something but but uh i mean they were you had a justifiable case and we were at baby step seven and my investments were okay i didn't do this kind of stuff you know and then my and then i'm going to retire broke but my kid has a 16 year old has an ira no right right yeah it's a balance and again chris i think the urgency that you're feeling is, I mean, he just said, he was like, I just learned about compound interest. Yeah, and oh my gosh. Exciting. Yeah. So there is an urgency. And I think, you know, again, the heart behind it's incredible. Absolutely. And to be able to set our kids up really well. And there's time to do that is what I would say. Mm-hmm. So don't let this urgency mm-hmm. of this new information make you make bad decisions yeah. <laughs> and lead you into something that's just not wise. How often do they audit? Well, I mean, if the, the thing is, you 
the point is not are you going to get beaten? no no i know i know there's like a moral thing here but but when you said that i was like man i wonder how often like well you just you have to be able to defend everything you do in an audit or you shouldn't be doing it yes totally okay? so totally. that's not only it's not only proper tax process but it's also the moral and ethical thing to do. Totally. Okay? Yes. So, yes. For sure. Um, like we've just finished this unbelievable two and a half year audit, just similar to an anal exam at Ramsey, and so. Uh, but we have paid every stinking dime that we've ever owed, and so we've not lost a single category, not a single category, and they've turned over everything in this building, um, you know, and, and uh, you know so. But, but we're fanatics about paying the yes. exact being, amount. Yes. Every being bit of, honest. Yeah. Every bit of cash we collect is taxable income. We don't have any side gigs going. It's very traceable. And it has nothing to do with I like taxes or I think taxes are wonderful or it's my way of being generous. It's not. Taxes are extortion. They're theft by your government. They're horrible. I hate them. I hate the IRS. But it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with my integrity. Mm-hmm. It, says, it doesn't say anything about them right. when I cheat on my taxes. It says something about me. And so, Chris, that's not aiming at you, but that's just a further yep. soapbox on this whole thing. So good motivation, bad information, good thoughts, bad timing. So later yep. on when you're at baby step seven and you've got and your retirement's underway and you can do justifiable market value labor for your kid, like if your kid is 16 in a few years – and they're doing it. They got this wonderful dog sitting business that they spring up because mom and dad used to do it and they go make a bunch of money. You could do what I did with our kids and it'd be perfectly fine. No issues there at all. Uh, and you'd be teaching them entrepreneurism in their teens, which is a great idea. So that's the kind of thing you're looking for. Bad timing though. You can't, unless the three-year-olds in a diaper commercial, three-year-olds don't have a it's market a pull up value. commercial. Pull-ups. Okay. At three. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> We're in the middle of that. We have a three and a half year old. And I thought, oh, you don't it's, want it's, uh, you don't want Charles <laughs> watching your dog. <laughs> <laughs> now, Amelia, the eight year old. Oh, yeah, she would be yeah, she, pretty, pretty. She knows how to take care of Jim pretty, better than I do. I mean, she's pretty much game on. Yeah, yeah phenomenal. Yeah, but she, not the three year old. No, no, okay. they're yeah, I'm not going to say it. OK, they're just they're fine. They're fine. <laughs> That's what we're going to say. Well, what are you going to say? No, I was just I was saying about all of them, not just not just that one. Dave likes babies. Papa Dave wants Little babies. babies. Once they hit like two, when they're doing the pull-ups, it's just Papa that's Dave's somebody like, else's I'm job. I'm good. That's completely somebody until else's you can job. ski. This, I yeah, and, and you're old enough to I ski. Then to you're, do uh, with you. there's a transition period there. <laughs> this is the Ramsey Show. Guys, it's no secret that the real estate market is weird right now. So go with a mortgage company you can trust to have your back. Churchill Mortgage. Churchill is Ramsey trusted because they're stable, reliable, and focused on you. At a time when a lot of companies are being bought out or going out of business, count on Churchill Mortgage to stick around. They've been doing things the right way for over 30 years, and they'll keep doing them the right way for 30 more. Get started at churchillmortgage.com. This is a paid advertisement. NMLS ID 1591. NMLS Equal housing lender. 1749 Mallory Lane, Suite 100. Brentwood, Tennessee 37027. Thanks for joining us, America. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Dylan is with us in Salt Lake City. Hi, Dylan. How are you? Good. How are you, Dave? Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. What's up? 
So my wife and I have been married for three years ago, or for three years now. We've been going to school, going to college. She graduated this past May with an engineering degree, and I graduated this upcoming May with an engineering degree. We're 100% debt-free. We made it through college with no student loans. Um, and we've been able to save about $60,000 that we've earmarked for a home. Um, and we're curious as to whether or not now is the time to buy. With interest rates so high and with with just everything going on in the market, uncertainty. Um, yeah, so what's your what's your advice for me or other questions you have? You're gonna you know you're gonna stay in that area? Yes, we are. Okay. So you get um I mean you get out of school and you're gonna take a job and that's not gonna change the real estate decision. Yes. Okay. All right. I mean, I can believe that. I just wanted to double check. And you have zero debt of any kind of sixty grand for a down payment. Zero debt of any kind, sixty grand for a down payment, and about thirty thousand in retirement accounts and two years funded HSA account. Good for you. Okay. Well done. Well done. Okay. Uh, I would buy now, uh, regardless okay. of interest rates. Uh, here's what I don't know: uh, twelve to twenty-four months from now. I don't know what interest rates will be. I do know house prices will have gone up seven to eight percent a year during those that time. Okay. House prices are continuing to go up in and 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 uh, regardless of interest rates because there continues to be a shortage of housing versus the number of buyers looking. Now, so mm-hmm. the the in other words, the strategy is we're, we can predict that the cost is going to go up. So we might as well get in now. We don't know if rates are going to go down or not. So waiting on them to come down, they might not. Yeah. There's no guarantee they're going to come down. Yeah. Um, and uh, they, they, they sat at six for a decade before. And then in 2008, yeah. they were artificially driven down because of the housing crisis. And the government just straight up manipulated the market and drove the rates all the way down to about 1% there for a minute, and then up to 2 then up to 3 and then back down to 25 and then up to 3 And it sat there for a while and, and then jumped up just recently, you know, to 6 and 7 again. And uh, everybody's freaking out like that's a high interest rate. But over the scope of history, it's not really a high interest rate. So what I okay. would say is this. We know house prices are going to go up, so let's buy. If interest rates go down, which we don't know, you can always refinance. You're not stuck, but you are stuck yeah. with house prices. Yep. So buy now. Okay. Another question for you is, in that case, say we we buy in the next six months, how much house can we afford? Our income last year was about 80, 80K. We have a baby on the way due, in, due early next year, so my wife won't be working as much. Um, but when the baby comes in, I'll be working full-time. So that's kind of the projected income is about 80 K a year. Yeah. You, uh, a fourth of your take home pay on a 15 year fixed rate mortgage is our suggestion. And that's going to mean you're probably going to buy less house than you thought you were going to buy before this call, but that's okay. It's your first house. You're in your early twenties. You got time. You're both engineers. You're both working someday. You can easily move up in house later. So again, I would get into the game. Uh, the only thing that's now making me hesitate is I don't know if I'm going to move a pregnant woman in her third trimester, 
that sounds like a hell on earth to me. I don't think I want to do that. Yeah. But, um, but you know, you might, I don't know. Uh, the further along in the pregnancy, she is the less likely I am to buy until after the baby. So just because it's, you know, it's hard on her. I mean, really, she's got, y'all got enough on your play without dealing with hanging curtains for God's sakes. So, um, yeah, it's okay to not buy. There's no sin that says you have to buy immediately, but you know, we were discussing interest rates and prices a minute ago. Now we're talking about your life. So I might wait till after the baby comes my way to year, uh, just, just for, just for comfort. You know, uh, there's nothing that says you have to do it now and you have plenty of time and we, you'll both have great careers. You'll both make great incomes. You're going to be debt-free millionaires in your thirties no matter which of these you do, whether you buy before or after the baby. But a 15-year fixed where the fourth of your take-home pay is going to the payment, and you'll be right on track, get that house paid off or move up later on when everybody's back working and all that kind of stuff. And the other thing, too, is I think he's short-changing himself as to what their income could be. I know his wife's going to back off a little bit. He'll be coming out into the market. I think it's very possible if they wait a year that they might find that their income is is higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very possible. Might put you into a different house. Um, if, if interest rates stay the same and house prices went up 7% during that year, which is probably what's going to happen, um, you know, the only thing that's really going to push interest rates down that I can see today is the fact that we're going into a presidential election year. Mm-hmm. And generally, the sitting party will try to drive rates down to say, look what I did. That's correct. Um, and they, you know, and and we all know that. Well, why weren't you doing that two years ago? Then you know, I mean, it's uh, there's always that. But um, I, I don't. I wouldn't hold your breath because I, uh, I, I Jerome am, Powell's gone on record as saying, if, when we've got this uh, inflation rate where it is, and it's still a little higher than they expected when when, when July report came in, and so unemployment's still very very low. I well, would expect him to raise it a couple more times. They're just screwing with it just to prove that That's I mean, right. it's not. They're uh, it's a whole other discussion. They're trying to trying to use a hammer on a Phillips head screwdriver, but they're just because they don't know what the heck they're doing, but the, it's a disaster. But anyway, all of that to say, I don't know that you're going to see interest rates come down. So you, you just decide in the scope of your life with a baby on the way, when we're going to buy Ted is in St. Paul, Minnesota. Hi, Ted. How are you? Great. How are you guys doing? Better than we deserve. What's up? I got a career question for you guys. Uh, so hope I picked the right crowd today, but, um, I'm in a role that I really like. Um, I'm a marketing analyst, and I make good money. My wife and I are in a good financial position. Um, I feel like I can continue to grow. I just want to know and bounce some ideas off both of y'all of how I can best uh, grow in my career. Um, so if, if you're good with it, I have the Get Clear assessment. Uh, I can read you my purpose statement if that's good with you guys. Sure. Yeah. All right. So I was created to use my talents of connection, compassion, imagination, to perform my passions of promoting, advocating, protecting, to accomplish my mission of service by producing assistance and protection. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's just, you know, my Christian faith. I really want to, you know, serve others and uh, impact lives to, you know, help people live their best lives too. Um, and so I feel like I get to do that a little bit right now, and mm-hmm. I want to continue to grow in doing that as well in my career. So, do you have a specific idea? Advice. Well, let me say this: your assessment results scream people. Well, there's really four types of work in the world: people work, idea work, process work, 
and then objects or things, okay? And your results scream people, screams people. Right. And uh, so the question becomes, for you to be very fulfilled, you're going to want to find work that allows you to use the people skills because you have a lot of people talents here. And then you, you very much love working with people and your motivational driver, that missional result of service means I want to see the results of my work come through in the vein of serving people. So you got to figure out the people you want to help, the problem that they've got and the solution to that problem. That's high level. And, and so that's what you're looking for. But I would not be in any kind of rush to leave a job you like because I want you to figure out what is that path, what's the steps along that path to get to that work. But I would guess you have a good idea what it is. And uh, so uh, one of the things I want to do is I'd love, we're running out of time. Uh, Austin, I'd love to get him on the show, on the Ken Coleman show, and let me work through that with him in great detail as to what his ideas are. Because Dave, I know this when somebody calls with that type of question, there's something in them that's burning and itching and they're looking for confidence. Absolutely. To step forward in that direction. Yeah. He, he thinks he knows, but he's not sure. Yeah. This is The Ramsey Show. Fake it till you make it. It's popular career advice, but it doesn't work for very long. If you don't love what you do, you can't fake the enthusiasm and energy you need to win at work. You also can't fake your physical health and energy. Everybody knows we should eat more fruits and veggies, but fruit chews and veggie chips don't count. If you aren't winning physically, I promise you're limiting your opportunities to win professionally. Folks, I know you're going hard right now to pay off debt and get ahead professionally. You need another gear, and that's why Balance of Nature will help you. They help me. They give me the benefits of fresh, whole fruits and veggies in just seconds. The blend of 31 different fruits and veggies is powdered in an advanced process that locks in the nutrients. So go to balanceofnature.com and enter the promo code RAMSEY to get 35% off your first order and lock in a lifetime price as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com with the promo code RAMSEY for 35% off your first order. Thank you for joining us, America. George Campbell, Ramsey Personality, is my co-host today. John's in Atlantic City. Hi, John. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, Dave, how are you? Better Pleasure to talk to you guys. Good to talk to you. How can we help? All right, so I've been listening to you for the past um, month or so, and before that I was buying real estate, but I think you would disagree. Um, I'm just going to lay out what I have. Um, I have 52 k in the money market, um, uh, 8000 in checking, um, and um, I have a credit card debt of 9000 and a car loan of 21000 Um, My wife, her only debt is her car, and we have a house that we owe 426 on, and my three rental properties I have, I owe 125 on, 126 and 110 but they're all rented out. So I was going to buy another piece of real estate, but what do you think? I think you should take all that money in that money market and knock out all of your debt and leave you with a nice emergency fund and slow down on all of this real estate investing. Until you can get some of yeah. it paid off. What's her car debt? Yeah. Her car debt, um, she's going to be paid off in four months. I'm not okay. sure exactly the number. Well, you don't know what the balance is? N- no, no. I just know she's going to be done in four months or... Uh, payment is so it's a couple, th- couple thousand bucks then. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can write a check today and be debt free. Am I understanding you right? Yeah, but then, I mean, you know, I just, I know you're dead against it, but I love having the um, rental properties and having the money come in, yeah. but I also understand the Ramsey way. Well, here, let me, how old are you, John? Uh, 34. Okay. All right. When I was uh, 24, I started buying real estate. And um, by the time I was 26, I had $4 million worth. I was aggressively buying it. And I was buying really, really good deals. I was buying stuff at uh, 70, 80 cents on the dollar. And so I had good equity positions. Uh, some of the property I put mortgages on and I was renting some of it. I had short-term notes on and I was fixing it and flipping it. During that time, now that was a long time ago. That was back in the 80s, okay? During that time was another, that, that, that moment in time, there was a real estate craze. Real estate was the answer to everything like it is right now. Everybody's talking about real estate right now. Everybody in your age yeah. group, the 20s and 30s think it's all over the social media. It's all over everything. It's like, it's like the thing to talk about. Like you're cool if you're doing real estate right now. You know, it's, you know what I'm talking about. It's everywhere, right? Uh, 100%. It was 100%. that way then. And in those days, we didn't have social media. We didn't have the Internet. But we had these things called infomercials that would run at night. And a guy would sit by the, the side of the sea with the waves crashing in and talk about how wealthy he was and how he had bought all this real estate, nothing down. And you could buy his tape set for $3,000 on how to do it and that kind of stuff. There was a bunch of those characters out there. Um, one of them has got a really nice winery now in Napa, Del Dotto. And uh, he was one of the biggest ones. Uh, and, uh, makes a great bottle of wine called the beast side note. But anyway, the, um, <laughs> but anyway, so I was in this group. There was a group of people that started in each city. There was a guy that went around and got a group of people doing nothing down or low amount down real estate, real estate investors club of Nashville. And I was in this club with about 60 people that were doing exactly what you're doing and that were doing what I was doing back then. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, they were all buying with as little money as they could put into it and making the rent, you know, collecting the rents and hoping that was going to pay the bills and so forth. Now, here's the reason I tell you that long, long drawn out story. Mm -hmm. No one from that club 30 years later is rich. None of them except two guys. Wow. So you think the best, the quickest and, way no, to And both of those guys worked mm-hmm. diligently to reverse the process and get out of debt. I went bankrupt while I was in that club. I lost everything at 28 years old. Yeah. And, and so did a whole bunch of those guys. As a matter of fact, the guy that wrote the book called Nothing Down, named Robert Allen, went bankrupt. He filed Chapter 11. Okay. And so wow. the, the, the proof is in the pudding. When you visit it 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years later, you can see, okay, did this work? Didn't work. The, ones, the only ones it worked for were the ones that reversed the process and cleared the debt, like George just told you to do. So I, I love how aggressive you are. I love that you love real estate. I love real estate. I've got a bunch of it. To this, I mean, after I yeah. went broke, I made a bunch of money later, and I, you know, I, I own several hundred million dollars of real estate now. I think it's an excellent investment. I like real estate, but a hundred percent of my real estate is paid for. So, 
George, I mean, I, I think you're right. I would stop buying. I would clear the personal debt, and I'd clear my, my mortgages, all of them, including my house. And you've got the ability to do this because, dude, you're a go-getter. You're a guy that gets yeah, crap I'm done. But if you don't watch, you're gonna out. You know, you're gonna outrun your coverage. And um, that's what scares me with John. I'm looking at a guy. He's he's seeing his cash flow from three properties. I see a guy who has eight hundred and twenty thousand dollars in debt, mm-hmm. and one misstep could tank him. Oh yeah, one life situation is all it takes. Yeah. And so I understand being kind of starry eyed with a pile of money, going, "Well, that means more real estate." I see it as a we could get out of debt and reduce our risk and start to. You end up with all of these properties paid for in three to five years including your residence, you can buy another property a year for cash with the cash flow you'll create by doing that. That's what I did the second time. The second time I got – the first one's really hard. You get these three paid off, that's really hard. But you get those three, you get pure cash flow from those, no debt at all, you can buy another hundred, dollars $200,000 property pretty quick because you'll have enough cash. It just piles up. It snowballs in the right direction, you know, and that cash will snowball for you if you're not giving it all to the bank. But uh, 100% of the time, debt equals risk. More debt equals more risk. Less debt equals less risk. 100% of the time. And that's why all those guys went broke in that clap. Well, it's amazing how if you move a little bit slower right now, you can go much faster later on. Oh, yeah. And that's what happens. When you get rid of the debt and you have more cash flow, you're going to be able to save up and pay cash for those well, properties. Well, what others perceive as faster. But, yeah, the percentages shift on you. Because, you know, once I got you know, a couple of hundred, you know, I don't know, $500,000 worth of paid for real estate. I, I'm got, I got serious debt. I mean, serious cash hitting the bottom line every month. And then I added some income money to that and I can reach over and buy another one, reach over and buy another one, reach over and buy another one. And that thing gets to moving and it, it does, it feels like it accelerates. Well, then one emergency, the HVAC goes out, a tenant, some tenant vacancy, you're not freaking out. Yeah. You have a great position. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know, something could happen like COVID where people don't pay their bills. Nothing would ever. Oh, wait, that actually happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's it. And then yeah. you can't evict them legally? Oh, yeah, that uh, moratorium moratorium on evictions. Yeah. And I'm not going to pay because there's a moratorium on evictions. So good luck with that, landlord. I uh, know, but, you know, house is paid for, and when this is lifted, you'll be homeless and I'll have a house. So that's what happened to a couple of them. They tried to play shyster and were like, yeah, it didn't work out. I had one other come to me that was in a business that was in a, in a, I had a strip center and they came to us and said, you know, we're in trouble. Can you help us? Please give us some mercy. And we went, yeah, we can do that. And, uh, will, will you forgive the rent? And I'm like, no, but I'll, uh, stop collecting it for now and you can pay it back later. So, I mean, we can just pay no payments for four months and then we'll pay double payments for four months or something like that. Yeah. We'll work it out with you. Because we're, I mean, I get where you are, and I don't want you to go broke. I don't want to be the guy cause you go broke. Uh, I'd rather you be alive and and pay me the rent, you know. So let's let's work it out. I'll let's go no rent for this month, and we'll look at next month. No rent next month, okay? Because st- we still got, you know, we still got. You're still getting fouchied. So um, as long as you're getting fouchied, I'll I'll try to help you here. And you, you had know? the margin to do that because yeah. you had paid cash. You I don't, I don't need payments. You're not desperate. You know, and we did have one tenant one time that the poor lady single mom got terminal cancer. Mm. And, you know, I have the margin to be compassionate and not charge her and just turn that house into a ministry for a period of time. It was a horrible thing, horrible process she went through. And she didn't make it. Sad, sad end of the story, you know. But, you know, but she didn't have a landlord problem because her landlord didn't have a mortgage problem. Hello, see how this works? This is The Ramsey Show.
from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, it's The Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Jade Washaw, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. You guys jump in. We'll talk about your life and your money. William is going to start this hour off in Dallas, Texas. Hi, William. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, Dave. How you doing? Better than I deserve, man. What's up? Uh, yeah, I got a question about a prenup. Um, I've listened to a lot of your clips. Uh, some of them kind of applied, some of them didn't, but, uh, basically there's a, I own a business and have done well, um, own some properties and there's, a definitely a, a, a large gap between, uh, me and my fiance. What's your net and worth? So, uh, net worth, um, property values are probably like 1.4. Um, only have 230 in debt on those. Um, and then in cash, I probably got like seven fifty. What's your business worth? Uh, seven mil. Okay. So you're a ten million dollar guy, and uh, she has a more traditional, normal net worth. She's not a freak like you. <laughs> I guess not. No. You're a good freak, though. I like you, <laughs> so it's good. You're you're the right kind of freak, man. I'm just saying. All right. Right on. Yes, I would. I would get a prenup. Okay. okay. I don't believe in prenups. I tell 99% of the people not to get them. The only time in 30 years of coaching that I've run into a situation where I wished someone had had a prenup was where there was a vast disparity between the two people getting married. And 99% of the time, the problem doesn't end up being with the two people. It's not your Mm -hmm. fiance. It's weird dadgum people in her family that come Mm -hmm. out of the woodwork and screw up everything. And if she can just hold up the hand and go, nope, can't I got a prenup? I don't have. I got nothing to say about that. I got nothing, because mm. all of a sudden they're like, Woo-hoo! "Little JoJo married William, yeah, let's go visit." You know, I mean, th- this is what you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. and that's uh, and, and and bless your heart, your fiance didn't see it coming because she did not think crazy was going to manifest itself that way in her extended friends or family. And so that, and it ends up screwing up your all's relationship. The prenup actually assists the relationship in this case. Mm-hmm. So, but for everyone else, I just say, no, if you have to have a prenup to protect, protect your $4, then you don't need to get married. Correct. Now, what um, happens if, uh, you know, your fiance, your girlfriend, what does she think about it? So that, that's an issue. Um, you know, she thinks that I, you know, quote unquote, love my money more than her. Um, she's not thrilled, or at least at the beginning wasn't thrilled. And so um, I basically, you know, because in Texas, you're, you know, everything is common, you know, mm-hmm. property once you get married. Mm-hmm. And so then it all gets split. Um, so I had pretty much what I had structured was, you know, separating everything and then maybe giving her like for every year we're married, if we were to anything were to happen, you know, she would get a certain amount per year, you know? Mm -hmm. So I guess my next question would be, I I would not do that. Um, and I would explain to her that this is, uh, as much for her benefit as is yours because of what I just described a few minutes ago, this gives her, this releases her Anyone, no one of your friends are going to be suspicious that she married a gold digger. 
none mm-hmm. of your family is going to think that she has bad motives. This helps her. Mm-hmm. And if true. you want to restructure or do away with the prenup at any point in your life, you can do that. Okay. You can just go back into the attorney. The two of you sit down and go, you know what? I'm going to release $5 million over here. But right. if you do a, a set thing on the number of years, the, the, the year that that kicks in will, will actually accidentally coincide to the roughest year in your marriage. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you will have that roughest year. You know that. So, I mean, wh- right. why complicate it? Yeah, true. Yeah, and you can go in and change it any time. But I, don't, I, I, I think I like her being beyond suspicion with all of your friends and relatives. For that matter, her friends. And she also gets to hold up the hand to her crazies that come along mm-hmm. and go, look, it's William stuff. But, but, and then the, now having put the prenup in place, that's the legal move. Then I would begin to run the relationship as if you own it all together. That's the key right there. I think that's the key that makes it all, mm-hmm. all good. So in other words, I, if I were you, I'm going to talk to my wife before I make a big business move. Mm-hmm. So that she's included. This Absolutely. is not yeah. just, hey, this well, is all my mountain over here. You have no access. You, you have don't, you no. Don't get to, you don't get to speak about this. Yeah. That's not what we're saying. We're saying right. if, this, if this whole thing hits the wall, you don't get any of this. Mm-hmm. That's all we're saying. But that's different than you don't get to speak over it because mm-hmm. you want her to speak over it. Proverbs 31 is who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her and he will have no lack of gain. I have made more money and built more wealth while listening carefully to my wife who has a home ec degree (laughs) and unbelievable hillbilly wisdom. Now let's ask, Uh, let me ask another question on your behalf. So your business is worth 7 million now. The prenup is only covering the current value. No, Let's, it would cover it would cover the ownership of the business. Period. Period. Regardless of what it becomes. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, that's the way I would build it. You can you can word right. it that way. You don't have to put a dollar amount on it. That's interesting though, because if they get married and now she's speaking into the business, the business is growing, and she still is not. That she's I'm not going like to lie. That's a tough one for I mean, me. Uh, okay, let me tell you. <laughs> she is completely. I'll help you. She's completely benefiting. Mm-hmm. If this business is worth fourteen million later instead of seven million, she's going to be eating right, off that's that right. table. That is right. She gets to fly in that airplane. But if something happens, even the growth is no longer well, up for yeah, yeah. But, debate. And, but again, he can go back and rechange that later. He can. And oh, uh, so if, he, if he looked up and said, "Look, the reason this business went from seven million to twenty-five million is uh, she has really contributed," yeah, then you could just remove some of the prenup. That is true. That is true. That's true. Now I'm going to run it. As I'm going to run your relationship and your household and all of your business decisions as if she was there when it all began. Yeah. And this is my child bride wife that we got married when we were whatever. <laughs> Don't say little, child little baby ch- childrens. <laughs> I mean, like Sharon and I got married at 22. We were like yeah, baby children. That's Sam and okay? I too. Yeah. And so we were little children's children. So we got, <laughs> you know, we were both dumber than a rock. And so we grew the whole thing, crashed it, and then grew another yeah. one together. Yeah, and, and right. So, so there's no question about that. Yeah. She, she owns it. Matter of fact, she technically owns most of it. So, <laughs> but the uh, uh, but the the the, uh, the, the point being, I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna run the relationship in a way that you don't lord over her mm-hmm. assets or income. She completely participates in those, and so we have an income mm-hmm. from 
our business unless we're divorced. And then it's not. And then our your boy business. gets it. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, it's it. It only Tough turkey it, toenails. The prenup only comes up <laughs> if there's a problem, right? Yeah. This is the Ramsey Show. If current times have shown us anything, it's that the least expected events can and will happen, and we have to deal with it. That's why everyone who has a family counting on them needs term life insurance. For over 25 years, the only insurance company I've recommended is Xander Insurance. Not only because they search all of the top term life plans to find you the best rates, but over the years, they have constantly changed and updated their systems to make the whole process simpler and easier to get the protection needed. You can now apply with a completely touchless experience with everything being done either over the phone or the Internet. They also have plans with super competitive rates that don't require an exam, allowing you to skip a step and get the coverage you need faster. Go to Xander.com or call 800-356-4282. Great rates and a simple process mean there's no excuse to not get this done, people. Rachel Cruz, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. The Ramsey Show question of the day is brought to you by Neighborly, your hub for home services for over 40 years. Neighborly has an exclusive network of trained local service providers backed by the Neighborly Done Right promise. So, if it's not done right, Neighborly will make it right. It's a great company. Visit Neighborly.com today to learn more. All right, today's question comes from Jeremy in Colorado. I'm a big fan of your show and love the videos. I'm married and we have a one-year-old daughter. I've been renting, but I'm contemplating purchasing a house. My gross base salary is $243,000. Take-home pay after 401k and insurance is $11,000 a month. We are paying $2,200 in rent. So my question is, how do we know when we're ready to buy a house and how much money do I need to buy? I'm thinking, I'm trying to think through the down payment and the mortgage payment, but I know there are other expenses during the buying process and monthly that I'm not thinking through and I want to be prepared. Um, great question, Jeremy. So when it comes to owning a home and buying a home, we always tell people to be completely debt-free and to have three to six months of expenses saved in the bank. And then you're going to move on to what's called baby step 3B. So what you're going to do, Jeremy, is figure out, okay, we're going to try to get at least a 5% down payment, ideally more than that. 20% would be incredible because you could avoid PMI and other types of insurance and these fees that you're asking about later. Uh, but we would recommend at least you know, 5-10% down and your monthly mortgage payment being no more than 25% of your take-home pay. So it'll be kind of around what you're paying for your rent right now, honestly, is what it'll end up being. Uh, well, no, because the your take, his take-home pay is 11000 after 401k and insurance. 25% of your take-home pay not counting 401k and insurance. It's just after tax take-home Oh, after pay. tax. That's true. Yes, yeah, yes, and you're yes, making 243000 That's 20000 bucks a month. So your take-home pay is not 11000 you know, your take-home pay, you're, you're counting 401k well, and insurance out of that. Out, after taxes, it's nowhere near 11000 It's probably more like fifteen, And so a fourth of your take-home pay not counting insurance and taxes with a properly withheld tax amount. All we want to take out is taxes, okay? And then 25% of yeah. that number. So you make a lot of money. You're going to be fine. 
you, you know, you need to decide if you want to stop your 401k temporarily to be able to save even more and build that down payment. payment up. But uh, that's baby step 3B. It's okay to stop that for but a that, little bit. But that 25% take-home pay formula, though, does include like HOA fees, insurance, all of that. Yeah, it's your within pr- that. principal interest, taxes, insurance, and HOA. Okay? Um, and because that's the cost of owning the house. Uh, it, not your electric bill, not your water bill, that kind of stuff. And so, uh, but it's just... What we're trying to do is not have you be house poor, where your house payment is a huge percentage of your take-home pay. But in your case, you probably can go to a three to a four thousand dollar house payment without any trouble. Uh, you're going to be right in. You're still going to be right in there, and um, probably four, uh, maybe 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 between thirty five hundred and four, but somewhere right in there. And that's on a fifteen year fixed rate with as big a down payment as you can scrape up before you make the purchase. Now, we've got a great blog on real estate, How Much Money Do I Need to Buy a House? And it's in great detail, some of the stuff we just covered uh, at RamseySolutions.com. We will put the link in the show notes uh, for those of you on podcast and in the description for those of you on YouTube and so you'll be able to uh, pull that link up on, and, and reiterate, what, you know, are, am I ready to buy a house? Because everyone's running around right now like a chicken with their head cut off. If you don't know what that is, you'll learn it from your country grandmother. But if everybody's running around like crazy right now thinking, oh, i got to buy a house, 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 got to buy a house. If I don't buy a house, if I don't buy a house, oh, God. You know, it's always been that way. I've been doing this show for 30 years, and there's always been people with house fever. And they lose their minds, and they go with a big old debt. They got big old car payment. They got student loans coming out their ears, and then they go buy a house, and they're broke. And they can't figure out why the purchase of a home was not a blessing. It's because you bought a house when you're broke. That's why. You know, you shouldn't do that. So we are, you know, Ramsey, you're just too conservative. No, we just are using some freaking common sense, a little bit of restraint, in a culture where no one ever tells anyone no for anything. No, you shouldn't buy a house. You're broke. Get yourself where you ain't broke, and then you buy a house, and then it won't be harmful to you. It'll be a blessing. It doesn't affect me. I don't care if you do it or not. But if you're asking me how I can be a blessing to you, how I can make your life better, we're here to tell you that, and that's what we've done. How much money do I need to buy a house? It's a great blog at RamseySolutions.com in the show notes or in the description on YouTube. Don't miss that. And, Jeremy, you ought to go read that, too. That'll get him there. Amen. (laughs) Tyler's in Eugene, Oregon. Hey, Tyler, welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hello. How are you guys doing today? Better than we deserve. What's up? Um, my, so I have an electric, I'm an electrical contractor and my truck just busted on a job and the truck's been giving me problems for a very long time. It seems like every two years I'm dumping five grand into it to do head gaskets or trannies or whatever. And I just did it again. And I'm just wondering if I should just fix it or bite the bullet and go get a new truck. Uh, depends on what kind of bullet you're biting. Have you getting money? Yeah, I got enough to pay for, but it, tightens it up pay for how how expensive a truck are you going to buy i'm looking at 70 grand okay because you just spent five well no this truck keeps giving me problems and then i i don't i have no other means for i understand work truck i understand but i'm just suggesting sir that you're overreacting 
Maybe you need a new truck, but I don't think you need a $70,000 new truck. How much do you make, Tyler, a year? Uh, after taxes, about uh, it varies, but uh, last year was like 110. Yeah. What do you wire? Houses or commercial buildings? What? Everything, but in this area, it's just mostly houses. Yeah. So not a single person's ever hired you to hire a, wire a house based on the truck you drove. No. No. Yeah. They he, all he they cared was you showed up and plugged stuff in where it worked. Now the showing up part, I'm with you on, brother. Okay. I, I think your truck's laid down. I think it's time to get rid of it. But you don't need a $70,000 truck. That's construction site bullcrap. Let me tell you who the broke people are on the construction site, the people with new trucks. You want to know who the right, rich people yeah. are on the construction site? The people with old trucks. So it's still worth it to get a used truck, just yes. drive it until it beats, starts falling apart and get rid of it and get another exactly. used truck? Exactly. Because you know what that $70,000 truck's going to be? Backed into with the guy's skid steer the first week you own it. Yeah, yeah. You've seen it happen. Okay. I have, too. I grew up in construction, man. I didn't make this stuff okay. up. It's I've been there. I've been standing on the site when this happened. So, now get you a, you know, the truck you got is probably worth five grand. It's probably a piece of crap, right? Uh, I could sell it for 20 still. Really? Decent truck. Yeah, it's, it's still, it, it's like a collector's type of truck. It wasn't supposed to be a work truck, but it turned into. Oh, okay. But a $20,000 work truck is an excellent truck compared to what you have right now as far as reliability. Wouldn't you agree with me? Yeah, it's just used cars scare me since this has been... Honey, as soon as you drive it off the lot, it's used. Yeah, yeah. When you've been driving your new truck for a year, it's called used. Okay. And so, you you know, maybe maybe 20, not, you know, let's let's go a little 30. higher. I'm, I'm good with 30. Yeah. Pay cash. You're going to pay cash and buy a $30,000 truck yeah. and sell your truck for 20? Dad gum, man. Your life's awesome. All we're out's a net 10. Would you, would you think I should sell my truck or just keep it as a backup? So no, sell it. It's a piece of crap. Dies. Okay. <laughs> you told me all, all right. the how it's bad not it is. Well, you said it's like a collector. It's not like a fairly like a family heirloom what, what or is something. It? What is it? Oh, it's a Harley Davidson F three fifty. Okay, now sell it. Sell it. Okay. Yeah. I was just worried of another car becoming a hassle down the road. And no, go get a good Ford Toyota. Hundred percent of cars are a hassle. Okay. All of them break. It's just a matter of, can we get something... But rel- this idea that a used car 100% of the time is going to be awful. It's not. There's great, reliable used cars. Yeah. Trucks, too. Yeah. Don't buy a worn-out used work truck. Buy a good one for 30 k that's been gently used, and a little old lady drove it to church on Sunday. I mean, come on. <laughs> this is The Ramsey Show. Dr. John Deloney, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Thank you for joining us, America. We're so glad you are here. Tom is in Greensboro, North Carolina. Welcome to the Ramsey Show, Tom. Hey, how y'all doing? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's up? All right, so I'm going to get right to the point. Um, I'm in financial peace. I got every dollar. Um, But my dilemma is that I share custody of my son. My schedule allows me to have him on the days that I'm off. But if I'm going to pursue getting out of debt as quickly as I need to, it would result in me having to give up some of those days. And that is the part that I'm struggling with. How old is he? He's one. How long have you all been divorced? Uh, Over a year. 
I'm so confused. So he's one, and you've been divorced over a year. Yeah. So we it, we it happened all kind of at the same time. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. So about the same timeline. Okay. Yes. Yes. So, so we'll make him the same age as the divorce. Okay. That that helps me a yes, little. Sir. All right. And so yes, um, sir. All right. Now, uh, uh, what do you do for a living? Uh, I drive a truck. Over the road? Uh, no, I'm local. So you're working forty hours? Uh, I well, with overtime, um, I'm looking at about ninety every two weeks. Forty-five hours. Yes, sir. Okay. And um, how much debt do you have? Um, so total debt is let's call it twenty-seven k. It's twenty-six seven two nine. And and what do you make now? Um, so my take home is 60 K. Okay. So your typical day when you're driving truck, not when you're with your son, you go to yes. work at what time? Uh, about 10 AM. Okay. And you drive then until about 8 PM. 8, 8 PM. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. All right. That gets you your 45 hours. All right. Yes, sir. Okay. Hmm. What about on the days you don't have your son? You're at 50, 50, you said? Yes, so, yes, sir, yeah. What days of the so week is I, that? I'm sorry, say that again? What day of the week is that? So we work on a 2-2-3 schedule. Okay. Um, so it rotates every 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 week. So basically in a two-week period, I get him seven days out of the out of that two-week period. Okay. Um, and I'm just struggling with, do I want to give up one of my days and have a babysitter or have a family member watch him while I go and work? If I was um, you... Yes, sir. I would be pretty intentional about getting up at 5 a.m. on the days I don't have to be until 10 and drive yeah. Uber and Lyft in the morning. So I am doing a side hustle as well. Okay. Um, that kind of tacks into the... What is the that? 60K. Uh, so it's Amazon Flex. Okay. All right. So you're so doing very similar. And you're doing that in the mornings before you go to work. Yes, sir. Okay. So in a strange way, and Dave, you've done this longer than me on this particular question. If... This was inside your home. I would, t- if you're, if you and your wife and your boy lived inside in the same house, yeah. I would tell you, hit the gas, work seven days a week, and get this twenty-seven bucks, twenty-seven thousand off your chest. Yes, sir. The fact that this is broken up in this way, with how rapid a one-year-old develops, six months of no dad is it, not. That's not okay. It's glaring. It's too much. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. with you. I'd rather slow the roll on paying off the debt and make sure I've got that time with my son because that time is precious. What, what right is now. the twenty-seven thousand in debt? What kind of debt? You're gonna ask. Um, so twenty k of that is car. God Almighty! Sell your car. It's your yeah. kid. I know. No, you don't. You didn't. Yeah, you, you don't know because you didn't. You had to ask. Why'd you have to ask? And you didn't even want to tell us because you knew we were going to say what you already knew you should do. It's your kid. Yeah. Don't trade your car for a kid. Yes, sir. Sell your stupid car this week. <laughs> what kind of car is it, Tom? It's a Honda Civic. Oh, my God. Don't trade a Civic for a kid for sure. Tom. Not even a really cool car. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. If it was like a Mercedes. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it, I mean, not, if it was a, you know, a vintage Camaro. I mean, give me a Oh, my gosh. No. I mean, no. Tom, I'm, ki- you, I'm kidding around, Tom. But you hey, thought really, through this. Really, Why? Really? You got this figured out. You so, thought through it. Get you a $1,000 car and take yes, care of your one-year-old. 
and get your butt out of debt working your working and live on beans and rice rice and beans and do not miss a single day that you have available for this child he is the most important thing in this conversation i will affirm you as being a good dad you have a good heart you were aimed at the right thing you knew you needed to do that but you were trying to make the math work and keep the car and so we get to tell you the classic ramsey show line sell the car yes sir are you gonna do it yes sir good how old are you tom I'm 32. And you're a good man. This kid, hey, this Thank kid, you. this kid's lucky to have you as a dad. Thank and you. here's what Dave and I are also giving you. In about 10 years, he'll he'll be 11. He'll make you real mad. And in a fit of rage, you can turn and stare him in directly in the eyes and say, I, I sold gave, a car for you. I gave up a Civic for you. <laughs> <laughs> and then he'll be like, yeah. seriously? And you'll be like, yeah, yeah. yeah. That didn't go, uh, that not, didn't go not, as hard as I thought I was going to. Not much of a flag shot. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was going to go way harder than it did, man. I gave up a civic. <laughs> I just don't think that could leave your mouth. Wow, Dad. I'll let the school counselor know next time we meet. <laughs> Sell the civic, brother. <laughs> oh, Tom, you're a good guy. I Love appreciate Tom. your question. Love Tom. You're awesome, brother. Yeah, here's the thing, folks. Um, very seldom are we as boxed in and trapped as sometimes we feel like we are because uh, sometimes there's a simple thing you can throw a stick of dynamite right in the middle of it, blow it up, and you go, oh, well, look at there. And, yeah, there it is. <laughs> oh, that's so great. But I do think it's important if if there's a you're in the household together and you're not making eye contact every day, but there is passing, there is they see you every day, then I'm going to tell you to go run and get this thing done because the long-term stress in your household is not going to be worth it. That stress exists. But in that case, I would sell the car too. A hundred percent, yeah. If I'm worried about I would being drive there a John for my Deere one-year-old. To go. If I'm grief. worried about being there for my one-year-old, a hundred percent I'm not trading a car for that. There's not a circumstance. No, not at all. No, not yeah. at all. Not happening. <laughs> uh, John's in Portland, Maine. Hey, John, welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, thanks so much for taking my call. Sure. How can we help? All right. So I've been listening for a while um, and love you guys' show. My wife and I have been doing really good at paying down everything. Um, we owe right now about $171,000, um, and 115000 of that is on a mortgage in the house we live in. And 56000 is my student loans, which I've actually paid down from $180,000. Good job, John. (laughs) Yeah, go, man. That's awesome. So we're at the point now where we don't owe anything else. We own our cars. We own everything else. We just, we have about $300,000, not in equity in the house we live in, but that's what it's worth now with $115,000 balance. Um, Mm -hmm. And we actually paid off um, a rental property that we owned two years ago when I opened my own business and tripled my income. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're at the point where we've been living our, letting our grandmother live there as kind of like a mitzvah, like as a, as a good deed, and mm-hmm. she's ready to move out because she has dementia, unfortunately. Mm. And the market is fantastic, obviously, especially in Maine. Um, price values have gone up and are staying here. Um, and we don't know if we should invest a little bit of money into the property and continue to rent it or to just take advantage now. How much um, is a little bit of money? Uh, what's the property worth What now? would you invest into it? Why does it need investment? Um, because it just hasn't... Our grandmother moved in What do you right need to spend quickly? Probably $60,000. No. Not where you have $60,000 in student loan debt. 
Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. And I, it would take years to get back yeah. what we could if just you make can, one If you profit. can't fix it up for a few thousand dollars and get it going, you probably need to sell it. But uh, otherwise, I'd try to keep it because I love the idea of keeping a paid-for rental property and knocking out 56 when you've had all this other success. But, and if, if the house no, rates are going gonna, up, yeah, people are going to rent it. We're not going to turn this thing off that's been working and go over and fix a rental house for 60k. Now, if you want to spend five or ten on it, you can probably pull that off and still get your student loan paid off by Christmas. Let's go do that. Keep the rental. But no, not 60. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey guys, it's Rachel Cruz. And Jade Warshaw. So in my family, we've learned how to make everyday moments a priority, like Saturday sports games, recitals, vacations, and family reunions. Yes, and with kids, it is never too early to start planning for those big moments as well, like saving for college. Yeah, Jade, we both know that in between all the everyday moments and the big moments, life still happens. Uh, My car will still need repairs, your kids will break something in the house, and we might spend more than we'd like to to replace the roof at some point. But for every single one of those moments, putting them in the budget is key to building the life we want for ourselves and our families. Yes, that's why we use Every Dollar. It's the simple budgeting app that helps anyone plan for their month. They can track their spending. They can save for things that matter most, the big moments and those everyday moments. You can download the app or check the show notes for the link and create your free account today. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Thank you for joining us, America. We're so glad you're here. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Janet is in Boise, Idaho. Hi, Janet. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, Ken and Dave. It's a pleasure. Ours, too. How can we help? Yeah, so I'm calling today just to see how we, as we, as, uh, me and my husband, can get ahead of our bills. It seems like every single month, we pay our bills three weeks after the due date, and then a week later, they're due again. So we've tried, <laughs> you know, budgeting and just trying to get ahead, and we just can't seem to get that curve. Um, so we're just calling to see what tips and tricks you could provide for us. Okay. What's your household income? It's about 75000 gross. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how much debt do you have not counting your house? 39000 On what? On uh, student loans is 24000 5000 in credit cards, and a 9000 or 10000 on an um, RV, a travel trailer. <clears throat> on a trailer. Okay. And you make seventy five k a year. That's right, between the both of us. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So where do you think your money is going? Well, I know that it was going to a lot of eating out. Um, I actually just got my husband on board about two months ago to do like the baby steps. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been doing it probably by myself for like a whole year Mm -hmm. um, ever since. And it seems like actually we've been on this momentum of just being behind for like the last year. Mm -hmm. And we're just sick of it. I'm tired of handling it. So I have him stepping in on the finances as well as just really, you know, being careful where our money is going. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I've tried for the last two months, we've just been, you know, paying every single week. Um, Cause we get paid every week. So that's kind of, okay, so if I sat down with you and your husband sure. with, with a yellow pad at the kitchen table and I said, okay, this is what you have coming in this week. Let's, let's map mm-hmm. out where every one of those dollars is going. This is what you have coming in the next week. Let's map out where every one of those dollars is going. Let's map out. You, you should have enough with the numbers you gave me. We should. 
Yeah, we should. And that's, but, that's you're, you're, but you're not doing that. Right. There it is. Okay. So you need you need to sit down and you can jump on every dollar, but the number one, the first thing is the two of you have to do this together, not turn it over to him because he because he can do it and you can't do it. That's not true. Okay, mm-hmm. both of you together need to do this because what's going to have to happen is you're going to have to decide not to do a bunch of stuff you're doing now that does that doesn't matter as much as getting in control matters. Right. I want to get in control more than I want to go out to eat. I want to get in. I want to get out of debt and have a life more than I want to go on vacation. Uh, I, I want to get in control more than I like this travel trailer. I want to get in control more than, and I'm sick and tired of living stress to stress to stress to stress to stress with no hope, feeling like a rat in a freaking wheel. And when right. the and both of you, there. when both of you are saying that, and then you put numbers to that, and you say, okay, this week. On Friday, we get a check for X. The following Thursday, we get a check for Y. The following Saturday, we get a check for Z. And you write that down and you plan out every one of those dollars and where every one of them are going because the water bill is due on the second week, the house payment's due on the first week, the uh, student loan payment's due in the third week, and we're going to figure out what's coming out. We're going to take this much for food, this much for food, this much for food in the four different weeks. And we're going to allocate every one of those bills to a certain week and some of them across weeks so that we have enough money to take care of them. And every dollar has an assignment on paper, on purpose, before the month begins. We agree on it and spit, shake, and pinky swear. And then we don't do anything else with money except what we freaking wrote down. Right. And it seems like we've been doing that for the last two months, but we can't catch that curve. We can't get out of so, the So you write so it all down and you don't have enough. No, we do have enough, but it seems like it's gone every single week. And now, if you wrote it down to have enough, and then you did something else other than what you wrote down. Well, I guess where we're struggling is just like every time we do try to, we pay, we get our bill every single, you know, whatever, a month, we pay it once a week. and But we have so many little ones, it seems like we just don't know where. They're not all written down. Prioritize. Um, yeah, we need to prioritize them better. Or- Every one of them on paper, on purpose, in a certain week. This is a week one bill. This is a week four bill. This is a week two bill. Different bills have different weeks, and they all go within the income of that week. And then when the check comes in, the check is already spent. So you can't do anything except what you wrote down. Yep. You are not right. managing to the budget. You're writing it out as a hypothetical and then going doing what you used to do. Right. And you're not focusing so on it. Get ahead? But listen, <laughs> Jan, I'll tell you how. You've got to That'll actually, get you ahead. Just what act. I told you. Yeah. If you, you won't write down not getting ahead. You'll yeah, get ahead as soon as you do that. Like You've got example, room in this budget. Yeah, you do, yeah. You're disorganized and chaotic. Yeah. And when you give every single, if I paid you $100,000 a year to pay these bills exactly on time and you had no emotional tie to them whatsoever, and you would look at this family, this distant family over in Boise, Idaho, and tell them to quit going to freaking restaurants. I don't care how tired you are. No whining allowed. You're going to pay the freaking bill on time. If I told you to do that, you could do it for someone else. Right. It's because it's not right. It's sixth grade math. You can do this. 
So you have got to get very detailed, very intentional, and then live the detail. Don't write it all down and then go do what you used to do. And so, well, I just, I, I, I didn't feel like cooking tonight. I don't give a crap. Go home and get some leftovers out of the dadgum refrigerator. That's how you do it. You can, I mean, we all have that. You just got to talk to your whiny self and say, no whiny self. I've done that myself. I, I mean, Sharon, I've done it to each other. We know what it feels like, it, but you have to go. I want control more than I feel tired tonight. You know, and that's the biggest thing. That's the phrase that comes out of everybody's mouth, by the way, before they go out to eat or before they hit the fast food and get dog food at Taco Bell, you know, or whatever. And so it's just, it's horrible. It's horrible value. It's horrible nutrition and it's out of control spending. And so it's just, yeah. So you got to write it down and get on every dollar, download the app. And I'll tell you what, I'll give you the upgrade. I'll give you the premium every dollar where it ties to your bank. And we'll get you started on that, Janet, because what you all desperately need is a detailed budget. And here's how you do a budget, folks. You give every single penny a name. Every bill has a week allocated. In every dollar, it's called paycheck planning. And you plan out each paycheck for the month. And you and your spouse both look at it. Every dollar is assigned to saving, to giving, or to a bill, period. Every single dollar. There is no missile. There is no, uh, well, 50% of my budget is non-allocated. Bull crap. Allocate yeah. every dime in every dollar. On the paycheck planning, every dollar has a name before the month begins. August is coming. Where's your August money going to be? It's going to freaking disappear. If you don't tell it what to do, it will leave and go to people's houses who tell it what to do. And then you'll say stuff like the poor get poorer and the rich get richer. Yes, they do. Because the rich tell their money what to do. Yeah. That's how this works. And, and so you got to get on top of this stuff and lean into it. Every dollar has an assignment. You stick to it. You agree on it with your spouse and you do not spend a dime unless it's on that page on that every dollar app. If it's not on there and it comes up and it's a surprise and you forgot it, you got to take something else off because if you put something on there and you're already spent it all, now you're in overdraft and now it doesn't work and I can't seem to get caught up. Well, you're not getting caught up because you're not living your plan. Do the plan, live the plan. Write the plan, live the plan. Do the plan, live the plan. Live the plan. And it's your plan, by the way. You decide where it's going to go. But I'm telling you what I'm doing. I'm not going out to eat. I'm not going on vacation. I'm selling a stupid travel trailer. Everything else is for sale. So much the kids think they're next. We're going to take extra jobs, and we're getting control because I'm tired of being stressed out. That's what I'm doing if I'm in your shoes, and I did it, by the way. This is The Ramsey Show. Live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, it's The Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work, that they love and create actual amazing relationships. George Camel, Ramsey personality, co-host of the uber popular Smart Money Happy Hour that he and Rachel Cruz do as a podcast on the Ramsey Networks. He's my co-host today. Open phones here as we talk about you right in front of you. It's your life, baby. Let's talk about it. The phone number is 888-825-5225. That's 888-825-5225. Anthony, starting off this hour in San Francisco. Hey, Anthony, what's up? 
Hey, Dave, how are you? Better than I deserve. How can I help? Yeah, well, first of all, happy early Father's Day. Um, and um, my wife, well, I started listening to you about a year and a half ago, and I got my wife um, re- recently, new wife, in like into you as well. So we're both on the same plan and have the same head on. And my question is, um, we want to purchase a house within the next year or two. Mm-hmm. And we've the only debt we have right now is student debt that mm-hmm. we've been saving um, over the last year. And my question is whether we should pay it off all now, um, but wondering if that will affect our credit score with trying to purchase a home within the next year. George, you did this. Yeah. Uh, living this out, I've paid off student loans and I bought a house without a credit score. So the question I think you're asking is how will it affect it in the meantime if I'm in that weird in between? Because when you pay off your student loans, is that all of your debt? Yes, that's all our debt. Yes, uh, before he goes on, let me ask you a question. Do you have enough money in the bank right now to pay off the student loan? We do. We both do. Oh, okay. So you could just write a check and be done today. And then you want to buy a house okay. about a year from now. Correct. Okay. Making sure I have my facts right. Okay. So your emergency fund, will you have that in place already, or will you need to build that up after you pay off this debt? Yeah. So I guess it's kind of scrambled. The total student debt between both of us is about 56000 and we have about um, 70000 in our savings. Mm-hmm. And I also, uh, we also have together uh, about 20000 in individual account with uh, Schwab. Cool. Okay, good. So that'll leave you with about 34000 If you cash out what's in that account, that'll leave you $34,000. let us call your emergency fund somewhere, is it fifteen to twenty for you guys? Three to six months of expenses? Yes, that's about right. Okay. And then you've got a little starter down payment fund with the rest of that money. So you got about 20000 towards your down payment, and you got a year to finish saving up, right? Yes. Okay, yes. so we're going to tell you to right. pay off your student loans today. When you get home tonight, go, honey, we're getting ready to be debt-free. Watch. Push this button. Okay. Okay, now, it's then, the then how are you going to get a house? So then in 6 to 12 months after you pay off your debt, that credit score will disappear once you close all your accounts. And then your credit score will disappear. Now, there's a chance you get the house and they run the credit and you still have a credit score and it's probably still going to be a good score and that's fine. You can still get a house that way. But there's really no, your credit score is not going to go down to, you know, a 600 all of a sudden because you paid off your loans. You have any credit cards open? Um, we do, but we pay it off. Close uh, them too. Each month. Close them too. Okay. That'll keep your credit score open. What we're trying to do is make have zero credit activity, which will make your credit score completely disappear in six to nine months. Zero credit score sets you up for manual underwriting, which is where they just check your job, check your deposit, like we used to back in the day when people had cents. Back in the on olden quali- days. Back in the day when people had to actually qualify for a mortgage, and a monkey can give you a mortgage now by looking at a number. Ooh, ooh, credit score. Ooh, ooh. And uh, but yeah, but but you, we used to actually make sure people had the money to pay the bill and stuff. And uh, it's called underwriting the loan. Manual underwriting is what it's called now, as opposed to not underwriting it. And so uh, that's what George did. He went with a zero credit score into Churchill Mortgage and got a mortgage on his first home. Did I have that right? Yeah. And there was, Anthony, there's going to be so many friends and family that go, you're crazy. It's going to be so much more expensive. It's going to take forever. It's going to be impossible. Don't listen to them because they've never done it. 
And so I'm telling you, it's not going to be that difficult. It's not going to take a lot more time. There's going to be a few more extra documents. And as long as you stick to that 15-year fixed with at least 10% down, you're going to get a really great competitive interest rate. With Churchill Mortgage. Not all mortgage companies know how to do this, Anthony. Yes. So you can't run over it some stupid butt place like Bank of America because they won't know their butt from a hole in the My ground. My lender said they won't do it. You yeah. got to stick with one that actually knows okay. what they're doing. Yeah, you got to you got to get with somebody like Churchill. They they because we've endorsed Churchill for almost thirty years, and because I've told people to not borrow money, Churchill has obviously system wide learned to and um, managed their whole process to being able to do manual underwriting because a lot of Ramsey people don't have a credit score because all of us got rid of our debt and our credit. We don't use credit or debt. But now, if you keep those stupid credit cards open, you may end up with a six fifty. And it's going to screw you up. So you can't half butt do this, Anthony. You got to decide is you or isn't you. And you got to lean in and push all the way through. Uh, so ish will get you in a middle ground you don't want to be in. And I don't suggest that. If you're going to do that, then just stay in debt, son. Yeah, the, this idea of the credit score is hilarious to me. And once you get the mortgage, there's no reason you would ever need a score at all, even though you don't need one for the mortgage. Because the only reason people hang on to it is the what in case, what if, Dave? What if we need to go into debt? You know, if I was a, if I was in the banking business, I would invent a thing that said, you need to go get a credit card so you can build up this number so that you can get a car loan so that you can build up this number so that you can get a student loan so that you can build up this number so that you can get a home mortgage because you need this number. And I would teach you to worship at the altar of the great FICO because I would tell you that FICO was your great provider and that your life on the planet will be somehow substandard if you don't have this number. It almost sounds like revelations. Yeah, this is conspiracy-level theory right here. And it's the only number that we obsess over more than our weight. Those three digits, man, we are so obsessed. We brag about it. We, the, we the culture, not you and me. We. Dave and I, it would be a really sad you time You don't even bragging. obsess over weight unless it's a lack of it. I don't share those numbers, Dave. Okay. And, and my credit score uh, is I, sadly I would share be some of my numbers with you, but it wouldn't help. <laughs> Either one of us. I'll take one for the team, Dave. You can donate some to me. Oh, but it really is a wild thing that our culture has become so obsessed. So here's the interest you, you know, I have to teach this like and have for 30 years. You could get a million dollar inheritance your FICO score doesn't want change one penny. It is not an indication of financial well-being our financial health. It's an indication mathematically. The algorithm by which they used, the math they used to build the FICO score is 100% based on how much you play kissy face with the bank. If you don't play kissy face with the bank, if you're not making out with Bank of America, you're not getting a FICO score. I mean, this is not hard, people. If you, if you, if you get a million dollar a year raise at your office today... Everyone will wonder why, and your FICO score will not change one point. And you won't care about your FICO score then. Anyways, yeah. It won't change right. one point. Yeah. It's not an indication you're winning with money. You can be broke, but deeply in debt and have an 800 credit score, which, as a matter of fact, is about the only way to have an 800 credit score. Yeah. This is The Ramsey Show. We know there's a bunch of you out there that are new to this Ramsey stuff. We know that because our rankings and ratings have gone up dramatically. And so if you're brand new and some of the stuff we say is, um, well, it's uh, kind of sounds like inside baseball, like it's tribal speak and you don't know what all the words in the vernacular means. 
Well, uh, it's like baby steps and uh, debt snowballs and all that kind of stuff. Well, uh, we'll help you jump in, okay? Just go to RamseySolutions.com, click on the Get Started button. It's a completely free thing. It'll just walk you through where you are and what your next step is, and you'll begin to kind of get the vibe of what we're doing, the process here. And uh, we'll walk you through it. Again, completely free, RamseySolutions.com. Click Get Started. Cole is in Wichita, Kansas. Hey, Cole, welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, Dave. Hey. I'm uh, I'm proud to be on here with you. Thanks uh, for your time. Honored to have uh, you. How can we help? I, well, I messed up. So, um, we are in the hole big time. I mean, I guess not big time. We're we're on our way there. Um, and I don't know what to attack first. I guess um, what we're going to do. We're selling one of the vehicles. Um, it's it's got some problems that are coming to arise that I've noticed. And, uh, so we're just going to sell that one. Um, whatever money we have left over, we're going to save a thousand of it for our emergency fund and then start applying whatever else we have to the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, basically what I don't know what to do is like looking ahead to the end of this month. Um, I'm going to be in the red and I don't know what not to pay and still be able to live, I guess. Okay. Um, I don't want to go behind on anything, but I, it, it, it's inevitable at this point. I'm pretty sure. Okay. All right. How old are you guys? Uh, I'm 31. My wife is 30. How long have you been married? Uh, five years on Friday. What's your household income? Uh, That'd be uh, hundred and hundred twelve thousand. Okay, so you make good money. Yeah, I mean, hundred thousand is no no slouch in Wichita, Kansas, dude. That's excellent. Yeah. So what what's causing yeah. the problems? Well, we I think where we're at right now is um, after Christmas uh, there were some bills that I forgot about, and uh, we've got an uh, an almost one year old. And, uh, the hospital called on that and I got on a payment plan with them and that payment plan came out and it overdrafted my account. And after that, I'm just trying to play catch up, I guess, on that. And it's just been one thing after another. Um, we had tire, tire blowout on one of the vehicles. I get a new tire for that. And the others, it's expensive right now. Um, how much so, was the hospital bill that came out of your account? Uh, that one was, uh, it's only, it was a $222, $222 payment. Was making $115,000 a year, $222 does not put you in this mess. What, right. other, what other debts well, do you have, Cole? What, I, what else do you have? Uh, so, so, um, the, we have two vehicles right now. Um, one of them we owe 4500 on, the other one we owe 6200 on. Um, the $6,200 one is the one we're selling, by the way. Um, we've got, uh, my wife has around 30,000 in student loan. Um, the, uh, credit cards, um, is right around 14,000. Um, and the house is 102,000. And what else is there? I'm trying to think. 
How much is the house worth? Uh, house right now, I I haven't had it appraised or anything, but I'm I'm thinking that I could get around 140 to 100. Okay, so your house payment's not like insane. It's not like you guys live in a half million dollar million dollar house. Um, right, it's thousand fifty dollars a month. Yeah. For the house. So Cole, I mean, you know. Yes, I understand this is, it's overwhelming and there's a lot of numbers here, but also um, this could work. So my question is, month to month, do you guys, are you, is your lifestyle just completely out of control? Are you guys just spending a ton? Um, No. Without. No. You got a lot of money going somewhere that you haven't shown us yet. Yeah. Oh, daycare too. So 300 a week going to daycare. Mm -hmm. What's your wife make a year? Uh, she makes 52. Okay. Was that part of the 112? Yeah, that's part yeah. of it. Yeah, I make I make 62. She makes 52. Okay. Okay. The only thing I can think of is um, you're completely chaotic and disorganized to the point that you're out of control. That's yeah. the only explanation because there's nothing there's nothing glaring in these numbers. I kept waiting for the fifty thousand dollar car, and it wasn't here. I kept waiting yeah, for something big yeah. that was smacking these smacking this budget in the mouth and it's not here. So the only thing I can come up with is you guys must be some of the most disorganized, completely chaotic people that I've run into in a while. Yes, I would agree with that. Okay. That's why we're, right. we're jumping on with this. We want to get it, you know. Okay. We, That's fair. I'm not picking. That's not like, I'm just trying to help you. Trying to figure out where this is going so I know how to fix it. I'm not picking on you, okay? Because I'm, I'm, I, no, I, I, I get that. So here, okay, the gr- that's bad news and that's good news. The good news is that you're the problem. The bad news is you're the problem. So we could fix this, okay, really quickly. So a, a detailed, in-depth game plan where you tell every dollar exactly what to do every single month, and you and your wife pinky swear and spit shake that you're not doing a freaking thing with a single penny except what you agreed to on this hardcore plan. We'll get you out of this really fast. You're going to turn around okay. so fast. And call that plan is you're not you're not going out to eat. You guys aren't Amazoning stuff to the house. You're not shot like you're doing. You're turn, literally turn doing off nothing. Amazon Prime. You're doing nothing, but catching up on yep. these bills because the, there's, you're not going there's, out to eat. You're, you yeah. can do this, Cole. I mean, the numbers yeah. are here that no, I'm like, oh, no dude, vacation this, is this summer. You're broke people. No eating out. You're broke people. You don't see the inside of a restaurant unless you're working there as your extra job to clean this freaking mess up. Okay? So this is like put yourself in financial boot camp. Because here's the thing. You two are not dumb people. And if I hired you and said, I'll give you $10,000 to look at these people's budget and tell them exactly what to do with it, you'd have it done in an hour and a half. Yeah. So here's what you do. You take care of food first. Lights and water right. a second. You pay the house payment third. You pay the car payments okay. fourth. You put gas in the car fifth. You don't need any clothes. You got enough this month. Yep. Okay. Buy clothes only when there's something that's completely about to fall off of somebody or whatever. Right now, you got people got clothes in their closet for days. I don't don't talk to me about style. You're broke people. Okay. And okay. so, you know, this is what you do. This is what Sharon and I did, all right? And so you could turn this around really fast. We call that the four walls. You take care of the four walls of your house, the necessities of life, food, shelter, clothing, transportation, utilities, gas in the car, and, and everything else can wait. Yeah. 
It won't have to, yeah. by the way. When you start writing this out, you got enough room in this budget to probably pull this off. I don't hear the okay. payments because you're not making any, make any payments on the stupid student loan. It's not no, affecting no. anything. And if you just throw the credit card payments in the in the trash for one month, whoopty doopty. Oh, I'll hurt my credit. Okay. Well, good. You don't need credit. You're not really good with it. Yep. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> and so if you and got Cole, your, and I would and honestly, I'm like where you guys are, there's almost this like radical behavior change that needs to occur on a very radical scale because you've been on one extreme. I'm like, and I know you have a one-year-old, but honestly, I'd say, you know, between now and July, do Uber Eats at night for, for four months. Just just do make some extra. Like, you guys need to, like... Not, not get Uber Eats. Deliver, no, deliver Uber them. Eats. Yeah. Drive, drive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, shock the system, Cole. You and your wife, honestly, shock the system for a short deliver period pizza. of time. Deliver for a short, pizza, for a short period of time. And hold on the line. Austin will pick up, and we'll give you guys Financial Peace University. We want you to, yeah, go through the Financial Peace University because class. Because, honestly, you you guys got this. You could do this. You're Get good. that every dollar budget out tonight. You and your wife sit down and say, okay, we can eat. We got the money. We can do the. We keep the lights on. We can keep the house payment paid. You can do all those things. And the rest of it, you just got to fight through. And you can do this. Jade Warshaw, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Peter is with us in Canada. Hi, Peter. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Um, so I'm uh, currently entering my third year of university. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm married. Um, I, me and my wife have been very financially independent. Um, we're both in school. We, we both foresee being able to pay off for our school. Uh, just through hard-earned cash um, while just doing summer jobs. Wonderful. Um, but uh, we've been doing them. We've been kind of realizing, you know, that the student loan rate in Canada, we don't have uh, interest on our student loans, and we don't start paying until six months after we graduate. Mm-hmm. And so we were wondering, uh, we were thinking about maximizing out the student loans we can take out and putting it aside in a separate high-interest savings account, uh, maybe even in, in, uh, invest into some short-term bonds. And then when we graduate, uh, take all that money out, uh, pay off our student loans in full, and then you know keep the, keep the money that we made from, from the interest. Mm-hmm. I'm just, my question is, uh, what, what, I know that you're very adamant about staying out of debt if possible. No, so just, I'm, just I'm just very adamant about st- not not if possible. I'm just adamant about staying out of debt. Period. Right. But, but let's go ahead. How, how much are you talking about doing? How much money? Uh, me, so about fifteen thousand uh, dollars a year for me and my wife. So that's about thirty thousand dollars each. Uh, so sixty thousand so dollars. Have... Yeah. Okay. And and the uh, bond rate is what? It's about five and a half percent. Okay. Right. So three thousand bucks. Um, That's what you're gonna yeah, make per year. That's what you're gonna make, three thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. And what's your degree in? Uh, finance. Finance. Yeah. Okay. Um. And you're in your third year of finance degree. No, so I'm, I'm just doing bachelor of commerce currently, uh, majoring a. Um, majoring in finance, yeah. going in, going into my third. Um, have Have you ever had a statistics class yet? Not yet. Not yet. Okay, I can tell. Okay. Um, Go ahead, Dave. 
Um, so here's what you're missing. Risk. The only way your program works is if there is a zero risk scenario, which does not exist. Okay. So the problem is you called a guy that's been doing this for 35 years. So I've seen everybody do every possible stupid butt thing they can do in their lives or have horrible tragedies happen to them in their lives that you have not anticipated or, oh, maybe the bond market has a problem. That's never happened, has it? Of course, that happens all the time. And so maybe you don't make 3000 And uh, maybe, oh, have you, did you know that bonds go down in value when interest rates go up? Do you know it's an inverse relationship? Yeah. Yeah. And so you're going to take out a $60,000 loan with $60,000 worth of bonds. Interest rates go up. Now your bonds are worth $50,000, but you have to repay $60,000. You know, values go down when interest rates go up. It's an inverse relationship with the bond market to interest rates, and we're in a rising interest rate environment, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Is that That's called risk, okay? So your plan is... Um, Not good. It, it's left out key components, which makes it really, really risky and naive. That's problem number one with it. Problem number two with it is... You are trying to make money doing nothing. Making money doing nothing usually will cause you problems. So don't try to make money doing nothing. Problem number three is I'm pretty sure, I'm not positive, but I'm just about positive, that the uh, government of Canada did not come up with a student loan program for Peter to invest in the bond market, meaning that you are misusing these funds which is not illegal, but it is at a minimum unethical or immoral. I agree with that. So um, lots of reasons, Peter, to not do this. Lots of reasons. You did not anticipate risk. Another way that you can, if you're ever faced with something like this again, that help you feel the risk is just take your proposed scenario and multiply it like 10 or 100x and see if it doesn't make you want to throw up a little bit. That's so good. Then you really see the gravity of it. So in other words, would you do this with $600,000 if you could do it? Would you do this with $6 million Mm -hmm. if you could do it? Oh, no. So now you're starting to feel like, oh, God, something could go wrong. Well, something could go wrong. Well, dude, something could go wrong. Mm -hmm. And let me just tell you, it's not something could. It's pretty likely to. Absolutely. It's pretty likely to. So, um, yeah, it's just, um, and all for three grand. That's my thing. It's not even a lot of money. Go deliver some pizzas and get you some three grand. <laughs> for a year. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's just. It's not uh, a lot. Yeah. It's th- not worth You are it. playing with a barrel full of snakes for three grand, hoping to not get bit. So, um, there's the problems with your theory and cause your theory is empty. It's missing entire sets of variables that when implemented, make this really unattractive and you forgot the ethics and the morals part of it too, which will also lead you astray and get you into problems. So, Whew, Dave, that was good. I I was expecting you to really go into one of your Dave modes. Well, <laughs> but I, you you taught you taught. Well, that the, was th- good. the thing is, I um, I, I it wouldn't have been fair to him. That's true. Yeah, no, you taught. Uh, so he had to uh, because he doesn't know, mm-hmm. and he didn't call up with an arrogance. He was asking an honest question, he and he just didn't know. So it wouldn't have been fair to him to kill him. Um, 
as tempting as it might have been. I was, I was, I was giving you the energy. Yeah, yeah I know you were. You were I, I, I felt it. I, I felt you agging me on. It's almost as bad as when Sharon does that. But you know, uh, so, oh my gosh! No, I mean he's a, he's a good guy. Yeah. He just hadn't thought about some of the stuff because he's young. And I'm glad he called in because I know a lot of people have fooled around with that idea in, in different types of way, basically taking debt to invest it. So, yeah, so for the, those of you over in the nerd side whose head are still spinning, the reason I ask about statistics class was not to be sarcastic, but um, in stat one, the first class you take, they will teach you uh, a, a measure of risk called a beta. And a beta is the the distance uh, between the hill and the valley. If you look at a graph and it's going up and down like a mountain in a mm-hmm, valley, mm-hmm. the distance between the bottom and the top is your beta. Uh-huh. Okay, so and and so in an investment analysis, a beta is your measure of risk. And so for those of you out there doing your investments, uh, you'll see it actually. It's one of the, one of the people you actually do see it in the real world, other than stat class, is with mutual funds. So a I, in the in the United States, the Standard and Poor, the S and P five hundred, mm-hmm. is the measure, the baseline of the stock market. It is a one point zero beta, so it's your baseline. Okay. Okay. So if you have a mutual fund that has a point eight less than one, mm-hmm. that means it's less volatile than the stock the market. Mm-hmm. If you have a mutual fund, for instance, an aggressive growth stock mutual fund might have a two point oh beta, which means it's twice as volatile mm-hmm. as the S&P baseline, okay, mm-hmm. the standard poor baseline. So you see it there. But what happens is people do not apply that type of mathematical thinking and formula, which that's an actual math measure of risk. Mm-hmm. No, people don't apply that to debt. And see, he left he that's left risk out of his math formula. Yeah, he did. So he, he's thinking, okay, I'm going to make 3000 on 60000 but I did not adjust my returns for risk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's why I was asking about that, because you adjust it for risk. And this is really a, 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 a an egghead explanation of why God says in the Bible that the borrower is slave to the lender. Slaves don't have choices. Slaves are seldom generous. So slaves lose their personhood. Mm -hmm. And this Mm -hmm. is what happens when you step into the noose of debt uh, because you haven't measured risk adequately. Very good. So this is, you know, you look at it through a biblical lens, a spiritual lens, the lens of faith. We can look at it through the academic lens. We can look at it through grandma's common sense. Grandpa says, son, you bought that car. You did what? That was my grandpa. (laughs) Drove up in a new Jaguar. I was a millionaire. My grandpa looked at me like I'd lost my mind. He goes, 10 years, what's that car going to be worth? And I said, not not as much. (laughs) And he said, well, I call my investments things that go up. Look at that. (laughs) Grandpa was right. This is the Ramsey Show. Dr. John Deloney, number one best-selling author of the book, Own Your Past, Change Your Future, is my co-host today. Thank you for joining us. Open phones at 888-825-5225. You jump in. We'll talk about your life and your money. Trisha is with us in Washington, D.C. Hi, Trisha. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, I have one simple question and one that's a little bit more complex. Um, the first is baby step four, 15% of income. Is that based on the base salary or is that total including potential bonuses? Total gross before taxes. Okay. Um, and then my second question relates to a second mortgage that I have or a mortgage that I have jointly 
with my mother-in-law or that my husband and I, I guess, have with my mother-in-law um, and whether how we should really be accounting for that in the baby steps. Does that go in bucket two or does that go in the bucket with the general mortgage um, payoff? Yeah. Where how how you do you have a mortgage that? with your mother-in-law? Um, so when my husband and I were expecting our first baby, my mother-in-law was retiring and we wanted her to move closer to us, but she couldn't um, afford a house near us. And we thought that, you know, helping her move toward where we were would be, you know, better than paying for a stranger to do childcare for us. So we essentially assisted her in getting the house. So I'm on the mortgage. So you took out a, you're on her mortgage. Um, we're jointly on the mortgage. We own it, you know, 50, 50 percent. But it's her house. Um, yeah, it's her primary residence. Yes. Okay. So you took out a mortgage. You're a co-signer in a sense on her mortgage on her house. Uh, well, I'm on the title as well, but oh. yes, yes. It, this is your mom? No, it's my husband's mother. Oh, okay. So all three of you are on the title? Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. Well, so my question basically is, do I just kind of let this linger out there and make the payments? I mean, the payments is fine. Um, are you making but, the payments? I, um, we split the payments. As a method of helping her. Yeah, yeah. And she helps. Um, what happens know, to the house when she passes? Are there other siblings? Um, my husband has two siblings. We haven't actually discussed that, um, what happens when it passes. Um, when she passes, we haven't discussed that. Which okay. So all the money that you're paying in reducing the principal may go to them. Uh, well, I'm on the title. so I know, but, um, but you're not, you don't have exclusive title. She's got the title, too. And her estate will get her portion of the title, and that that portion of the estate could go to the siblings. Sure. So, yeah. Number one, not discussing this is a really bad plan. Not having a plan is a really bad plan. So we need a will and a game plan immediately. And you may want to have it where the house is just uh, where the deed is changed, and it comes to you at death. Okay. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. th- that that would solve a whole lot of things if you can get control of it like that then I would put this in your plan. A normal second mortgage on your residence, we tell folks if it's less than half your annual income, put it in baby step two. If it's more than half your annual income, it's in baby step six. So what's the balance on this particular house, although it's not a real second mortgage? Um, the balance is 371 Okay. I'm guessing you're not making 800 uh, I make after bonus, it'll be five hundred. Household income, uh, five hundred. Yeah. My husband's retired. Well, I mean, he gets you know thirty thousand through okay. the whole year for okay. disability. But um, yeah, you really need to get this straightened out so that you can get it paid off. But it really is a baby step six item. Okay. And um, but but if you pay it off, and there's a paid for house, and half of that house is owned by her, and she dies, and there's no will. That half of the house will be split among you and your sib- or her, her, your husband and his siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dumb plan. Well, and I got Dave. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question about Trisha's situation. Okay, so okay. Trisha, I'm using you your situation as Dave. Um, what happens if Trisha pays off her half, but Mom's still There's making not payments? A half. It's an undivided interest. There's not yeah. a half. So three seventy one is just the total balance of the yeah. loan. If you pay down, if you pay down three seventy one by half, the other she's still liable for the other half. So you can you don't it's not two loans it's one loan that's that's, that's yeah, what I mean yeah, but Trisha so. your three seventy one isn't half of the remaining balance of the house that's how much the whole remaining balance is 
Yeah, that's the remaining outstanding amount on the mortgage. So yeah. you're not you're not talking about splitting the payments with mom. You're talking about just paying the house off. I am. I'm saying pay um, off the well, house, and but pay it off in such and when you put the documentation in place that the house is yours. Yeah. That that you know, treat it like it's a rental property. And it's mm-hmm. in baby step six, and you pay it off. But right now, it's not a rental property. Right now, you start paying it off, you're going to get in an argument with somebody, a judge or a sibling or both, because there's no will and no plan. Or there's uh, a will that says, just split it among the three of them. It's dumb. That's dumb. I mean, that was not the intent of this deal. That's not a fair deal here, because the others haven't put anything into this house. You should split the rest of the stuff with them, or that's fine. But And certainly, if you go and pay off you know, a house that has your name on it, but her name on it's it. It's your house. And, and, and it, you know, that you're benefiting those siblings if you don't clean this mess up first. So yeah, we've got to do some, uh, some estate planning work here and then we need to put it in baby step six is your overall answer. So, Hey, good question. Um, just note, I would not have done this the way you did it. I think there was other ways to help grandmother, and help her move and help her be there to help raise your kids and all that kind of stuff without uh, getting all tied up in this barrel of fish hooks that you got yourself in. But you can straighten it out and by paying it off and by getting it deeded to you upon death um, or before. Either one's fine with me. Open phones at 888-825-5225-GEO's in Miami. Hi, Gio. How are you? Hey, Dave. How are you doing? Better than we deserve. What's up? Yeah. All right. Um, so I just had a quick question. Um, so I'm thinking about buying a rental property with my sister. Um, but she's made it very clear that she doesn't want a, a 15 year. She, we we're kind of on a time limit. Um, because my, my income of this year is going to be like, not really that high. And so we're going to be going off on my income of last year. Um, and so I was just wondering if it's going to be a rental and if we're not really going to be living in it, um, and if, you know, we can potentially sell it before the 30 year mark, this would be, Um, you have three reasons you should not do this deal. Number one, you're broke. You don't make enough money to do the deal. Number two, uh, you're, you're going to be in a partnership with someone you're already in a disagreement with on how to structure the deal. That's dumb. Mm. Partnerships are dumb. Partnerships with family can be really bad idea. And, yeah. uh, number three, you shouldn't buy rental property with debt at all. You should pay cash for it. So, um, but you're kind of new to this whole Ramsey thing. So you didn't know any, I was going to say any of those things, but one of the sayings we use around here is the only ship that won't sail is a partnership because mm. um, doing 30 years of financial coaching, uh, you know what I see a lot? People like you and your sister in my office, both of you pissed off. Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> yeah, because it didn't because the partnership didn't work. And, I would t- I would tell her I love you enough that I'm not going to do this. Yeah, or I'm I'm out. It's not going to work for me. Well, I mean, you're not making as much money. Tells me that you're not you know you're you're not making good money. You don't need to be getting into rental property, and you're fi- financing it, and you want to do a fifteen because you got at least that much of a glimpse of the Ramsey stuff. Uh, and she's like, No, I want to stay in debt forever. No. Well, it's, Dave, I just keep having this conversation with folks about my age, a little bit younger, a little bit older, who just keep 
living on TikTok and they oh, think God. that they are broke if they don't have rental property. Let me tell you what. They will live in a two-bedroom apartment and try to buy a rental house with a 30 or 40-year note. It, it's madness. Yeah. It's heartbreaking what it's, it is. It's the it's a get rich quick syndrome and it's uh this idea that you know, I I'm going to invest in property uh, cuz that's going to make me wealthy and the truth is that Real estate does not make broke people wealthy. It makes them broker. That's why they call them brokers. And so it's, you know, it's just when you're broke, real estate is, is a game that you play when you have cash, lots of it, because you need to play the long ball with real estate. And when you get up against the edge and the sparks start flying because there's friction, because there's no margin, that's when you're going to lose your butt in real estate. So. I started with nothing. I had $4 million worth of real estate by the time I was 26 with a million dollar net worth. I was making $200,000 a year in, eight, in 1983. That's a lot of money back then. I lost it all because I was playing the same stupid butt games that you people are watching on Tic Tac. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey, it's Dr. John Deloney. If you love the show and want a deeper dive on your money journey, we have a weekly newsletter that gives you trending and helpful articles and tips on following the Ramsey way. Just go to RamseySolutions.com today to sign up for our newsletter. Again, that's RamseySolutions.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter.